Hello, this is episode 236 and this is part three of my conversation with James Cornell from Life Panels. Now, if you haven't listened to part one, make sure you head back to episode 234. You'll hear James discuss thermal performance and understanding air tightness and the breathability of your home. And you can find that by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 234. That's the numbers 234. And if you haven't listened to part two yet, where we discussed moisture control, thermal mass and other means of overheating control, make sure you check that out by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 235. That's numbers 235. Now we're diving into part three and this has been a chunky conversation. I hope you've been finding it super helpful. In this uh, episode, James is going to be wrapping up his conversation by talking with me about insulation for acoustic and fire protection. We're also going to talk about R values. Uh, You're going to learn what you need to know to actually assess the performance of insulation, the specifics of it. And then we're also going to talk more um, particularly about wood wood fibre products and about the wood fibre products that Life Panel supplies, how you can work with them, what you need to know about them and uh, how you can use them in your home. Remember, uh, if you want any of the resources that we discuss in this episode and a full downloadable PDF transcript, you can grab that by uh, heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 236. That's the numbers 236. Now, let's dive in. I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of country throughout Australia, and I recognise the continuing connection to lands, waters, skies and communities. I pay my respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to elders both past and present. If we haven't met before, I'm Amelia Lee. Based in northern New South Wales, Australia, I'm a wife, mum and architect, and I've worked in the architectural industry for over 27 years now. Having worked on over 250 projects, mainly residential family homes, as well as significantly renovating three homes of my own with my hubby, whilst our three kids were babies, toddlers and even older, I have a personal and professional understanding of the joy, challenges, stresses and excitement of making your family home a reality. In mid-2014, I started Undercover Architect, and it's an online business to help and teach homeowners like you how to get it right when designing, building and renovating your family home. Undercover Architect is all about giving you access to the industry knowledge and insights you need to avoid the mistakes and dramas that can cost you thousands, tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's about levelling the playing field so that the world of renovating and building doesn't seem so mysterious and you can be the active driver in your project, navigating it with know-how and confidence. Undercover Architect helps and teaches homeowners through this podcast, the website and our online courses and programs, including my flagship program, Home Method. I truly believe that when you know the questions to ask, the steps to take and the best way to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in, you can enjoy the process of building and renovating, as well as the home that you move into at the end of this ambitious journey. Consider Undercover Architect your secret ally, whoever you're working with and whatever your location, your budget or your dreams. Grab access to my free online workshop, Your Project Plan, and learn super helpful information to save time, money and stress in your reno or new build. You can find it at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. That's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N. Now, let's get on to the episode. As I said up front, this is part three of my conversation with James, and we have covered a lot of ground already when it comes to understanding the performance of your building fabric or your building envelope 
or the floors, the walls and the roof of your home. They're all the same thing, just different ways of describing it. Now, whether you're renovating or you're building new, whether you plan to do passive house or not, you are going to be spending money on the materials and products that your home will be constructed from. And many do this uh, just simply believing that there's only one way to buy these materials, to put these materials together. However, hopefully, as you've been hearing from James, it's really worthwhile understanding how to create the right solution for your climate and your location so that you get a result that actually protects your home and that improves its thermal performance and ensures that your home stays dry and durable over the long term. Now, in the last of this three-part series, I talk with James about insulation. So if insulation is something that you're investing in, and I'm seeing loads of homeowners doing this, really thinking about the insulation that they're going to put in their home, not just the stuff they're going to put in the ceiling, but also in the walls. Many people are looking at the specification and the standard of insulation that they're going to include. It's really important that you actually understand the different jobs it can do and also how you can maximise the benefit of your investment in it, that you actually understand how it works, the way to assess it and the way that it performs over time. This is going to be super helpful for you. Now, we also talk about the Life Panels products. James has been mentioning them the, as, as we've been discussing all of the other information about the wood fibre products. But I actually wanted to speak specifically with James about the rigid panel and the bulk fill insulation and help you understand the details of what these products actually are, how they're made, um, where they come from and the sustainable performance overall so that if it is something that you want to include in your home you can and you can and you're starting to speak with your design team or your builder about it you can understand how to go about including it and what you need to know about it now also want to remind you that you can download a free pdf transcript of this episode plus links to all the resources that we mentioned uh, loads of helpful information there by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 236 that's the numbers 236 you know, I think that if you're building and renovating and, uh, you know, renovating, obviously how you insulate might be a little bit more tricky depending on how much you're planning on retrofitting the existing house. But if you're extending a home or definitely if you're building new, just even thinking about the long-term savings of getting the right thermal performance in your home versus the upfront investment, um, it can be challenging when you're working to a tight budget and also, you know, seeing prices increase and dealing with all of the challenges in the industry right now. Um, but oftentimes, you know, I'm seeing savvy homeowners assess their ability to pay a mortgage, you know, and what that might mean if their energy bills aren't what they're currently budgeting for um, in terms of their overall cost of living. And that then is changing their mindset about what they're going to invest in the home in terms of improving that thermal performance. So now I'm really keen to understand um, the acoustic and the fire protection roles of insulation. So can you talk through the acoustic? Because obviously that that disconnect that does happen for people thinking, well, thermal's one thing, like I need to pick a certain R value, but then I've got specific rooms in my house where I want to add or upgrade that insulation so, or perhaps, you know, I'm going to put rock wool in all of my walls and I'm going to put, you know, I'm going to use a uh, sound check for the gyp rock that I specify so that I get a better, um, I get a better lining system to manage, you know, uh, I've got a fair few members of Home Method at the moment who've got musical families. So they're looking at music rooms and what they can do to, you know, make those perform well. 
The fact that you could have an insulation product that's doing both thermal and acoustic at the same time, which, you know, uh, is obviously possible. How do you suggest homeowners look at the performance of their insulation and assess the, the, those, those two sort of factors, thermal and, and acoustic? Yeah, so that this links into the density of the material. So another fun story for you. Hope these, hope these stories are interesting. They are, they're great. <laughs> um, there was a, a project... Uh, in Queensland and they contacted us and said, oh, we want acoustic insulation um, between floors, between rooms, all the rest of it. And um, I gave them the price of the flexible infill that we do. Oh, my God, it's astronomical. We can't afford that. So I said, okay, to make sure you get like for like, you need the density. So I even found them a link to a, a synthetic insulation that had the same density so I said, there's the, it's 60 kilograms of the uh, the flexible insulation that we do. That's got a density of 60 kilograms per meter cubed. And like we said, most synthetics are 10 or 20 kilograms. So I said, make sure it's a 60. So they called them, got a price. They're like, whoa, it's like even more expensive than the wood fiber. So they came back and bought wood fiber. Um, but it's because of the density of it. It's And, and again, timber, if you, if you were to hold just a piece of timber, like get a piece of like LVL or, you know, a piece of four by two, whatever. It sounded quite American then, didn't I? Four by two, <laughs> two by four. Um, and and, and, a, and a sheet of metal and, and speak into one of them, speak into the metal, you'll obviously notice a big difference in the reflection and the acoustic values of that. That is, the steel's obviously reflecting the sound back a lot more. So you, because it's timber, but because it's been processed into a board, the density of it and the way the nature of the surface of the material it just soaks up the sound and i've heard countless examples of one job in byron bay actually where the client went to the building site to meet with the builders you know became quite alarmed that no one was there what are they playing at you know i've got a budget and a time scale and where are they they were supposed to be here to meet me anyway turned out they were in the other room cracking on with work and she couldn't hear it <laughs> So, so I was like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry about that. I was, I was fuming at you, but there you are. And that's happened to me on jobs. I'm used to use it in the UK. I remember one of the foremen that I used to have on one of our sites was at the top of the stairs and I could see his back. And I was at the bottom of the stairs and going, Tom, Tom. And I ended up going, Tom. And to the point where I had to go upstairs and tap him on the shoulder. And he's like, he's like, what, what? I was like, could you not hear me? I was literally screaming your name. So, oh, sorry, I didn't hear you it's just so good at sound absorption that's partly linked to the density of the material so that's really crucial to understand acoustic insulations are sold kind of separate to the insulation market but if you actually look at the data sheets that the often the densities are only 20 kilograms um and you you don't, you don't actually have to specify a, a, a denser material to make it even better and then and you probably find that it sends up more expensive than even our insulation and our insulation is not cheap um but the point of it is is that we're kind of selling it as, as everything because it's wood based it is it does encompass and answer a lot of the those multiple roles in ways that synthetic insulations can't do no that's awesome i'm wondering if before we move on and actually talk more about the product itself um because that will that will help us understand the sustainability and those kinds of things 
Um, obviously, you want a sustainable insulation, so that's going to be a case of you assessing the materials that the product's made from and how it's made. Um, and so it'll be great to sort of explain how wood fibre can deliver on that. The fire protection one, though, I'm oh, yeah, curious sorry, yeah, about. Yeah, let's let's point. just, um, yeah, I really would love to learn more about that from an insulation point of view. And people, I've got lots of people who are building in bow rated zones, how they can think about the insulation in that regard. Okay, so we'll start with the Australian standards and the certification. So me and Life Panels are the only uh, wood fibre supplier to have tested our insulations to the Australian standards. The certificates for those are on our website. Um, the thermal conductivity of those and the declared R values. And then the, the I think it's, um, I've forgotten the exact code name, but yeah, it's there. So in terms of a, an insulation to be used in houses, it's, it's compliant. The, the next stage is the bushfire uh, aspect. So we've actually got a case study that I can send you as well that is BAL29. So generally I, what, what I say is you cannot use wood fibre insulation uh, for BAL resistance. You can use it in a BAL area, but if, if you look at any of the BAL codes from BAL uh, bell low all the way up to bell 40 they'll, they'll in the sections that they have it'll say sarking and it will say that a membrane has to be compliant and have a flammability index of less than five so all the proclimate membranes have meet that and they're vapor permeable so you can use so you have to use a vapor uh, permeable membrane like proclimber over the surface of the wood fiber so that's your first bell protection the next one is the vented facade in the bushfire has to be protected with a two millimeter stainless steel mesh at the base of the wall and the top of the wall and on the roof as well at the, at the gutter end like gutter guard leaf guard or blue mountain mesh thinks another one um, so as long as all the apertures are protected with two millimeter stainless steel mesh that's all compliant for that then the actual cladding itself would be one that's on the bushfire compliant list so usually things like um, iron bark spotted gum uh, silver top ash, then moving into like your FC sheets, some of your hardy texts like fine texture cladding, uh, colour bond cladding even. So as long as though you use one of those, then basically your insulation is not really part of your bowel system. Your bowel system is those proprietary protections. And the case study that I can send you uh, shows all that structure and how that was built and the, the method of that. And actually on the cost value, that shows if they were to have built that house with current Australian methods uh, and to the building code of Australia, it, it would be 20% more expensive to run that house. The fact that they use the wood fibre means that it's 20% more efficient. So they're actually saving dollars per year, month on month, by using the wood fibre. So yes, the initial outlay to some people is like, oh my gosh, that's, that's a lot of dollars. We'll just throw in some cheap stuff. Whereas if they did that, they'd be overall they're paying 20 percent more year upon year and well probably that increases doesn't it compounds no, 20 30 40 percent more yeah yeah so so that's the uh that's it we, we do a render system as well we can render the wood fiber but again you can't render it in a bushfire area because the render itself hasn't been tested to bow compliance because the renders again are vapor permeable it's not like an acrylic um an acrylic render so that's quite important to think about Gotcha. 
Okay. So it's really clear that obviously thinking about all of this, and it's just a great lesson, I think, for any homeowner to, to be aware of is you can't think about these things in isolation of each other because your building is actually a system. And it's a system that's creating an envelope for the quality of your everyday life. And there's going to be lots of things that are, are part of creating the right envelope to feed that system so to set up your good quality of life and the long-term performance of your home. So I think that, you know, this can be quite overwhelming to hear sort of all together because there's a lot of terminology, a lot of things to be aware of. Um, but I'd really encourage anyone listening to just, you know, this, it goes back to that thing of good quality insulation, the, the thermal performance of your home, how it controls moisture and how it prevents from overheating. And then, you know, what are you, what are you selecting in the components that you're going to be paying for and putting into the skin of your home so that you set up the best results for your climate, for your location, and how do you also then design the home so that you're optimising what's available for free in the sun and the breezes and all of those kinds of things to help support the system too. So you've got you've got different criteria to look for in an insulation product, which we talked about. So you've got the density, thermal conductivity, the specific heat storage capacity, and the vapour diffusion resistance, which is that vapour permeability. So you've got a great graph that shows a comparison of wood fibre to synthetic that I'll make sure goes into the resources for the podcast. Um, and, and it shows that, you know, for density, the higher, the better. For thermal conductivity, the lower, the better. For specific heat storage, the higher, the better. And for vapour diffusion resistance, the higher, the better. And so I think that like, this is the thing is that, like you say, all of this can sound quite complex, but it can be distilled down to pretty simple assessments. The challenge is, is that there are loads of manufacturers who have never bothered to assess their performance of their materials in this way. And we've been fed a conversation that the R value is all you've got to look at. Um, and so really, I think homeowners understanding that you have some more tools with which to assess these products and to make better purchasing decisions than just looking at the R value itself, but understanding, you know, and I think that conversation about thermal and acoustic and the density of the product as well, the durability and its ability to support itself over it so it doesn't sag under its own weight and break down, all of that kind of stuff. If you're going to invest money in this, in this product, Think about how you can get it ticking a lot of boxes and it not needing to be something that you have to replace in 10 years time. So um, now I want to talk specifically about wood fiber because we've obviously, we've talked about it in relation to all of these things, but of course you are the owner of business life panels. You have a fantastic product and um, I would love you to talk through just explaining the different kind of products that life panels do, you know, how they're manufactured, what people need to know about, you know, what the materials are, the sustainability of them, low tox, all of that kind of stuff. I want you just to really give us an insight. And also, you know, you have really great information because everybody will go, oh, surely this stuff's going to be really expensive. But you've got some great information on your website that compares it to standard construction where the benefits that you get through speed and also the duplicity of some of the wood fiber products in terms of the, the, what the, the different things that they can satisfy um, in terms of how they work, what that can actually mean that it can be quite cost comparative in a lot of um, situations. So 
Um, so tell us about the different products that you have and you're not going to be able to do a show and tell, which is probably going to frustrate you. So it's all good. <laughs> when I first I'm enjoying met, it so far. we've got this and we've got this and we've got this. Yeah, that's <laughs> right, yeah. Showroom that has it all around him. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we've got a 60 millimeter thick rigid wood fiber board and that is a tongue and groove uh, system. So that goes on the outside of your roof and your walls primarily. We also then do the flexible infill, which would replace your typical synthetic insulations. And that goes in between your rafters, in between your floor joists and your wall frames. Uh, then on top of that, we also do the OSB sheet products, which are uh, OSB 3 and OSB 4. And that's probably a whole other conversation because there's differences in those products about the how vapor permeable they are and how airtight they are and you'd use different ones for different applications um but crucially they're all e0 and um what does that mean uh, e0 is the rating system of essentially the toxicity of, of the so you could get a plywood that's like an e4 so that would have super high levels of man-made um formaldehyde uh, and other toxic glues to help bind the sheets together Whereas an E0 is uh, probably naturally occurring formaldehyde, which is in every living uh, tree and plant. Uh, and then some synthetic uh, resins and adhesives that are deemed as non-toxic or safe levels of off-gassing, which are non-harmful to humans. And all this kind of stuff's been tested you know, globally um, and also non untreated as well. So I, I always try and supply untreated materials. The termite aspect of that is managed by traditional termite barriers such as uh, home guards or sprays or visual barriers and there's quite some great options for non-toxic termite protection um so yeah so the wood fiber products and we only sell those two primarily because like i said to you before it's about the efficiency of the system and what it delivers and just those two products together give you an overall wall performance into back into the decrement delay we talked about of around eight to ten hours when it's part of a system and to put that into context a traditional australian built to the code of today will overheat within about two to three hours so you go eight to ten hours or two to three hours so it's that it's that extreme um so yeah we sell them as a system now what on the new website we're actually creating a whole section to play into this idea of the perfect walls that there is no perfect wall because again when people make things black and white inevitably it just doesn't work. So what we're saying is uh, you don't have to go with both products together. You can use one or the other or you know, there's a, a whole hybrid of stuff that we'll, we'll present to make it accessible. And that's the cost document you mentioned. We tried to show different accessibility points so that if you just go, well, listen, we really just want just the basic, you know, get us across the line in terms of basic performance, it's still going to be significantly better than the equivalent uh, synthetic but it means it's only sort of one or 2% more expensive all the way up to where you're probably getting on to 10%, 12, maybe even 15% more expensive um, on a project. So, you, you know, you could, you're talking on a full scale house build of say a 250 square meter home, you might be talking 40, $50,000 extra to go with a fully vapor permeable, well insulated wood fiber system. Um, but then, like I said, that, that case study, for example, is saving 20% on your energy bills. So you're actually 
saving money. So you kind of got to look at it. And Passive House helps with that. If you want to go to the Passive House level, it helps to look at the long-term investment and the rewards of that. Um, so, yeah, so really trying to, trying to give those options to say, hey, don't panic. You don't have to go the full system. And, and actually, um, Jesse from Proclaim has got a great document that you've probably seen where he's basically essentially that perfect walls kind of ideas, loads of different systems that he's designed and put together to work in different climate zones. And, and that, it's just great because, you know, there's a lot of people like you mentioned Jeremy and there's Jesse and there's Scott from Lab Design. And there's loads of people like that and yourself who, who are really doing good work to educate people in, in how this isn't just the one little narrow funnel response. Actually, this is a great big, great big exciting area to be in. And there's a lot of different options to, to give people who are the end users ultimately. You, know, you guys listening will be you know, encouraged to know that there's, there's an option for you out there. That's the, that's the key thing, I think. I think that's fantastic in terms of thinking about it and, and that idea of the perfect walls that this does come down to you really getting the right solution based on your thermal conditions where you are, your climatic conditions, your unique site arrangement, and then what you're aesthetically seeking to achieve and what your budget can afford so that you're getting the best possible outcome for the budget that you have to spend on it and that you're getting that bang for buck that's going to create a comfortable home as well. So and something that's durable and long lasting. The wood fiber panels themselves, like what what is that what what is it made from? You know, what yeah, is the, so what is how does that work? Yeah, they they're made in Europe from fully sustainable managed forests. So they're truly sustainable and truly renewable. And they imagine a pendulum swinging and at one end you've got the fully mature age trees and in the middle you've got the saplings or you know the, the baby trees. And essentially just constant movement like that regrowth regrowth um, and manage forests so that you never you never take in more than what you need and, and the logs that are taken down turned into things like house framing all the waste and the offcuts get repurposed into wood fiber um, and then even the process of making the wood fiber the offcuts and the waste from that get re-sent back around and put into more wood fiber and the various uh, there are some other products in Europe that are available there that aren't available here yet. Um, but yeah, working on that, that's another, another topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, yeah, so, and it's primarily it's made from spruce, uh, pine timbers. Uh, and then there's one or two other components that are added in um, to help bind it together. And it's all, again, it's deemed as non-toxic and it's used a high heat pressure uh, to essentially um compress the boards into the bats that the bats and the rigid panels that you get and so yeah so that's that's really it and what and size of the panels end up sort of bang yeah they yeah uh, the bat sizes see the we get them custom sized for the australian market so they're uh, available for 600 sensor frames wall frames or trusses and uh, 450 sensor frames the different widths there both 90 millimeters thick and they're about 1.2 meters tall, um, somewhere like that. And then the rigid panels vary between approximately a meter squared per panel to 1.6 meters squared per panel, depending on on the sizes. Uh, so yeah, so they they're about that, and they're 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 super lightweight. Like one panel's about nine kilograms, ten kilograms. So easily anybody can just pick one up, move around with it. Um, 
easy to cut on the saw, all hand tools. You can use hand tools. You can use drop saws, chop saws, uh, table saws are a good one to use because often you get the depth of the blade on a, a table saw. So quite often crews that I've seen just set up on site and just push it through at whatever width they need. Um, and then interestingly, they in Europe, it's carbon negative in production. So for every 1.2 tonnes, sorry, every tonne of material made stores 1.2 tonnes of carbon. Gotcha. Um, okay. So yeah, carbon negative in production. So it, that's why it is a truly unique material, I think, because it's it's using nature's resource. It's helping oxygenate the planet as the trees are growing and maturing. Yep. And then it's storing carbon during production. And then obviously it goes into a building and then it actually saves energy. And I think that's crucially the point, like renewables have got a place for sure. But as, as energy is running out and energy is becoming more expensive, we surely we want to be thinking we need to save energy. Now I know commercially for, you know, the, the aircon companies and the rest of it, it's not necessarily the best news that people want to hear, but I, but working as part of a system and not, again, not this separated black and white society of, you know, we'll fight against each other, but we'll we'll all work together because there's still a place for aircon for sure. Um, but again, linked in with good ventilation and HRV and and good insulation and good membranes and stuff like that. It's all part of a system that we all should work together on because it ultimately benefits this generation and the next generation and so on and so forth. Yeah, well, that's the thing. If you can completely re- improve your home's ability to be warm and cool naturally through the design for orientation, the natural ventilation, and then the materials and products that you're choosing. You can still have the air conditioning for those peak conditions that we're experiencing, but it doesn't have to work as hard and you don't have to use it year round. So, you know, a lot of people I think are in homes where their energy bills for air conditioning would be two and a half thousand dollars a quarter because they're having to use their air conditioner to compensate for the terrible design of their home. Whereas you can have that air conditioning unit, which will then last longer because it's not having to work as hard. You know, um, it's just being used to take the edge off on those particularly, you know, cold days or particularly hot days. So now say a homeowner, they're interested in using this product. They want to look at it for its insulated qualities or they want to look at it to create that whole kind of tea cozy, continuous thermal envelope on their home. Their builders never worked with it before, but is curious to see what it's like they're located on the you're obviously on the um in northern new south wales um they're over in victoria or perth or south australia or something like that how do they go about a knowing whether it's the right fit knowing whether they have to do anything special with their home design to accommodate it and then their builder having confidence to be able to buy it and use it and know how to install it um, and, you know, gear their team up for it. Like what's the, what's the learning curve? What's the process that somebody has to go through, um, uh, particularly if they're not close to you, to, to figure out how to incorporate this product into their home? Yeah, so first part of call is conversation with himself. Um, then you can see just in the background there, that's a full-size model that we've got with a little roof on it. And so quite often do Zoom um, workshops with builders and clients together to, so they can see how it goes together. So we do that. On the website, we've got videos and install guides to show how that goes together. And then also um, what we often do is provide 
as because I'm a certified passive house consultant as well. So we often provide connection to some of the other passive house people and and get the design done at design stage to make sure that the house is well thought through. In the case where passive house uh, clients don't want to consider that, then something as simple as the woofy analysis can be done. And that I, I just basically work with them on that and then help explain it. Because as you can imagine, like any technical document, it's completely overwhelming. But if I just, I highlight it before I send it on and show the important things to understand, them, you know, the moisture content, the risks of mold, all that sort of thing. Uh, and then once we actually get to construction stage, quite often, as best as, as often as I can, I actually go to site. So I actually travel all over Australia to go to sites and spend time on site with the builders and the clients to, to understand that. It doesn't always work. Um, and today, even as an example, a local project, uh, there's a few details that haven't quite gone to plan. Um, you know, and, and the conversations are, are sometimes a challenge for me to think about, okay, well, what do we need? What do I need to put on the website to make it even more um, user-friendly, if you like, if I can't make it? Uh, but sometimes I think just the busyness of life, people don't pick up the phone, don't go, oh, I'm stuck on that. Let me just make a quick phone call. So that's really why I try and go out to site, but it, it doesn't always work. Um, but I suppose just all I can say is you've got to keep trying to do the right thing, which is I'm, I don't, I'm always there for people, always there to answer the phone um, and try and provide that support. And when problems arise, which they inevitably do, I even said to somebody recently, you'll find me willing to come to the table to sort this out. And I'm not the kind of supplier to just go, oh, well, see you later. It's, I actually care about you know, the, the future of the planet and I care about ultimately the people's enjoyment of the house they're going to get and the trades using it. Because when I first used it as a trader myself, it completely changed the way that I understood building materials. And then all the guys that had working for me, they still use it now and they still advocate for the use of it because when you get your hands on it, most people go, oh man, this just makes sense. This is crazy. can't believe it. So yeah. Yeah, Trying well, this is the thing that, that I... I've noticed about you and your business is, um, A, you seem to be everywhere in terms of you know, when there's a project on your there. I saw the photographs on your Instagram of going to that um, pro property in South Australia and, you know, helping those homeowners. So, and I think that's the thing to look for suppliers who are invested in you getting a great outcome. I mean, I remember being at Mervac, you know, because we were building so much, we were able to have James Hardy, you know, the, the project that I did in Brisbane was the first project in Queensland to use the linear board because they just released it to market. And so we worked really closely with the reps at the time. They had their rep team out on site working with alongside the chippies to really, you know, uh, ensure that that product was being used. Now, the average homeowner doesn't get access to that help and support directly from a supplier in that same way, unless you find suppliers who are really passionate about the use of their product and also have an appetite to learn how can they better train people, how they can they better provide um, installation instructions, how can they even improve the product to make it simpler to install and easier to use. And so I encourage anybody looking at their suppliers to see, you know, I've had lots of homeowners say, I'm conscious of um, wanting to buy Australian, you know, uh, products that I can source in Australia. I'm wanting to work with people that I can speak to in Australia. I'm wanting to be able to have access to the people that I'm buying products from. Um, so I think that, you know, I have seen how accessible you make yourself and how you manage to be in lots of locations um, and working across lots of different projects. So, yeah, definitely. I would encourage anybody who's curious about um, life panels and about wood fibre products 
to uh, check out the Life Panels website. It's, it's an incredibly useful website just from understanding building performance generally, let alone understanding how wood fibre insulation and wood fibre products could potentially deliver on helping you understand that. So, and as you say, you've got the other products as well, um, which we might get you back on to talk about at another time in terms of the OSB um, and the other products that you have. Now, uh, you've talked about Passive House a few times. So if, I, if I'm if i not doing a Passive House, does this product still, is it still worth me looking at this product or do I have yeah, to do a Passive House? Yeah, yeah so. 100%. Yeah, and that's in the, the, um, the accessibility document around the various levels of costs that you can apply and the various wall structures or restructures you'd be able to do. Because um, even just that minimum four hours of decrement delay that you get from just the 90 mil flexible infill insulation just that is already more than double what you can get from a synthetic insulation so even just swapping that out is is a great thing to do so yeah definitely plenty of options for people I'm interested this is a bit of a red herring for you because obviously I live near Lismore and I was chatting to a friend whose son has been renovating a house that got completely flooded just before he'd been he'd been renovating it and slowly working away on it and uh, it's his first home and then obviously the waters all came through they had just invested about 10 grand in insulating the underfloor of the upper floor it was a house that was actually they'd done their research before they bought it it was supposed to be half a meter above the one in a hundred year flood levels um, and of course the water came through, you know, one and a half meters through the upper floor of the house. So that insulation got completely drenched and they left it for a while to see whether it would dry out. And then of course mold started forming and they made the decision that they'd have to rip it all out. And they were frustrated because they were like, it was actually working, um, you know, and it's such a shame because it's this timber, you know, it's this elevated house. It was great to have uh, that, a bit, that thermal comfort. In a situation like that, and if you used a wood fiber product instead, you mentioned that dunking it in and it drying it out. Is that a viable alternative for some? I mean, the big thing I think for people in these flood prone areas is that they're those who are building back are thinking about what can I choose so that A, my house, expect that my house will flood again, but B, I can, it's more durable to it and I can clean it out faster, it will dry up faster and I can be in sooner. Is is that wood fiber or is that just an experiment that you just did as a as a test? It's not something that you'd sort of necessarily. Um... Yeah, I think in, in the context of the floods, there, it's just basically it's just absolutely horrific and unfortunate that any material, no matter what you do, would not stand up to those levels of water. And and the general phrase that we we use all the time is if something gets wet enough for long enough, you've got a problem. So obviously you know, submerged insulation for four days solid, it's never going to come out well. Even if it was wood fibre, I don't think it would it would do well. Because um, then you get into the mould aspect and, it, and once the mould spores grow, you can have bacteria in a product, but when it's activated by the right conditions, such as like we've, already, we've already alluded to, the, the right relative humidity, the right temperature on a surface of a material, and again, you know, it's wet enough for long enough, just a, an impossible situation. So I'd probably say the main things to do in a situation like that to try and build where you the, the 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 ground floor is kind of materials that aren't necessarily going to be affected by moulds such as you know concrete, you know, core fill block work, concrete walls and you know, non areas that aren't closed in and things like that. 
Um, but definitely moving towards wrapping a house and taping it with mem proper membranes is certainly going to reduce uh, for, for, to some degree how much water might get in because obviously in, in a, a more an older style house there's a lot more gaps for water to get in now obviously in, in the floods that we've seen there like water's just going to go through the doors and the windows and it's just irrelevant what you've done to the structure essentially um and unfortunately yeah people have had that haven't they just it's it's condemned and the, the, the water damage and i've even i know of water damage for four weeks under a slab has affected a brand new timber frame brand new insulation mold growing because it's trapped can't dry out it's wet enough for long enough so it's yeah it's quite a, it's quite a serious thing so that's the long answer the short answer is if you get that level of damage it's some you're just gonna have to completely start again yeah yeah, so yeah. no i chucked that in as a just a, a question because it was something i was curious about so but i think it's really i really think that we we totally underestimate what we what our building materials actually get put through we we totally underestimate how much a home has to do to protect us from the elements and and yet we've built the same way for decades and decades and decades and uh, the climate has changed the conditions have changed and I think we have higher expectations of you know what our how our homes are supposed to protect us and yet the materials with which and the methodologies with which we build have not actually changed that significantly so I think this thing of thinking about how you put your building fabric together so that you ensure that you are really setting yourself up for success in the long-term performance of your home. And there's some great, there's some great summaries that I'm just going to read out. It's in this um, document that is a fantastic document that's on your website. So you said in summary, the most cost-effective way is to use as little energy as the most effect. Sorry, I'm going to start again. The most cost-effective way to use as little energy as possible is a fabric first approach. So obviously thinking about the building fabric and uh, doing that to, uh, to produce a home that uses as little energy as possible. Then you've got to slow heat loss in the winter. We use materials with low conductivity as a building wrap. To slow heat gain in the summer, we use materials with high thermal mass and low conductivity. And to ensure that there are no unintended consequences as a direct, as a direct result of high thermal performance measures, use vapor permeable materials. So obviously creating a really high thermal performance airtight home, you've got to make sure that it's still vapor permeable so that you don't keep all the wetness in the walls that like the coffee plunger you talked about. And then you said your wood fiber insulation does all of this while locking up carbon dioxide and using renewable materials. It's fast and simple to install and long lasting. So James, you have literally, I've taken up a lot of your time. You have downloaded a lot of information to us. I'm sure that there are going to be lots of questions from listeners that um, will be reaching out to you. So um, I will put all sorts of resources into uh, the information for this podcast to be able to get in touch with James and Life Panels. Um, I can't thank you enough for how generous you've been, how you've stepped us through these things. I also can't thank you enough for how passionate you are at making this information accessible to homeowners, whether they work with you or not, for them to be able to get this knowledge, to them be able to have far more informed conversations with their teams. I feel it's just going to elevate the performance of the construction industry overall. And builders are not going to be able to get away with saying, no, we don't worry about it because it's not important because an educated homeowner is a powerful, powerful ambassador and, yeah. uh, and a weapon in, in improving the construction industry. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, James. And, oh, thank uh, you. I really appreciate, appreciate it. Here.
Yeah, appreciate your time. And, and to anyone, to everyone listening as well, no question is a silly question. So please ask away. Happy to support you guys. Yeah, thank you. And that's it for part three of my conversation with James and the last in this three-part series that I've done on building a better and healthier home. Now, I do hope that you found this helpful. These three these three episodes, my conversation with James Cornell from Life Panels over these three episodes, it's, it's a big conversation about a lot of things that you need to consider when specifying the materials of your home's floors, walls and roof and what they're constructed from and how they're put together. I really do hope that this has provided a great resource for you to listen to, perhaps re-listen to, so that you can be informed when you're making the best choice for your future home. Whether you're renovating or building, you know, if you're investing in products and materials, it's worth doing your research, getting the best that your budget can afford and not just going with the norm because you're told to and that's just what you're being delivered. You know, understanding the role that these materials and products play in the overall performance and durability of your home, that can actually help you ensure that you're getting the healthiest and the highest performing home for the money that you have to spend on it and that you're actually going to be, you're going to uh, enable you to prevent yourself from spending money on products that simply won't deliver a great outcome for you. You'll actually now be able to have great conversations with those that you're working with. And I'm I'm really hoping that it'll actually be a high level conversation that's going to flush out those in the industry who simply want to stick to what's not working, who don't understand how their building envelope performs, what they're putting together and the 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 long-term problems that they're potentially creating for homeowners as they put these materials together, you know, but it's just been the standard for such a long time. And like I said, you know, there's builders who still don't even put sarking on a home. And then those builders that use sarking, not actually understanding that it's trapping moisture um, in the timber of a home where it rots away at the structure of the home and it causes massive health issues for the occupants. So now you know how to avoid that. You know how to talk about it. You know how to have these important conversations with your team. Remember, okay, you start by designing for the orientation of your site. That's the first thing that you do because when you get the sun working for you to lower your heating and cooling needs, then that's that's step one. And then you want to review the fabric of your building or your building envelope or its floors, walls and roof to ensure that you are addressing what James calls the big three. So that's thermal performance, including low thermal bridging and air tightness, your moisture control, which considers the breathability and the relative humidity to prevent condensation for damaging your home and your health, and overheating control, especially when it comes to thermal mass and decrement delay. Now, remember, you can access a free downloadable PDF transcript of this episode by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 236. That's numbers 236. And part one was 234, part two was 235. So make sure if you need to re-listen to those, you go back and do so. They're all there for you. Now, if you have any more questions about anything that James has discussed about the Life Panels products or you want to just access any of the resources that James and I have talked about, the incredible videos and information that he has on his website, all the educational information that he's got, 
you can uh, get in touch with James directly um, via the resources that I've put into the show notes for this episode and for the previous two episodes or just head to www.lifepanels.com and you'll find some great information there. You can follow James on Instagram. He's always um, publishing educational material to help you understand better about how this stuff applies to any product um, and how wood fibre products deliver on the various things that we've discussed. As always, thank you for tuning in. This has been a, this has been a big chunky topic, but I wanted to do it justice. I wanted to give you the tools, arm you with the knowledge, with all the terminology to use so that you really have what you need to be having informed conversations with those that you're working in. And I really do thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.